Welcome to The Word at First Pres. During the fall, we're doing a sermon series called Making Peace with the Pandemic. Each week, we're going to examine a different aspect of how the pandemic has changed our lives. We're going to reflect on our experiences and process what we've gained and lost. Thanks for listening. And now let us continue our worship with our first scripture reading, coming from Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the members of God's family who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, Luke 10, 1 through 9. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. But you know what's crazy is that it's been... 18 months since we've done this particular service. 18 months since the coronavirus pandemic shut down the United States of America, which is crazy thing. Not just that, but the world, really. And thanks to the vaccine rollout, of course, we're inching ever closer to the prospect of normalcy. But with the variants and all these things, who knows what's going to happen. I think one of the things that has happened for me, particularly over the last four months, is that I've been talking to many of you. I've been going around and I've been having conversations and I've been asking, what's been happening to you personally? How have you been dealing with what's gone on in your life? And I have heard some crazy stories, some remarkable stories of what people have been through as a result of this. And a lot of people have told me, they're like, you know what, I just want to forget the last 18 months. I want to move on, and I want to move past it and get back to normal, which I can totally commiserate with. But that's a little bit easier said than done, because we have to remember that what happened to us during the pandemic was, in a word, traumatic. I mean, it was. Millions of people died. Millions of people lost their jobs. We were sequestered inside of our homes. We had to adapt completely new ways of traversing the world. From the way that we bought groceries, to the way that we did school, to the way we did church, everything about our lives changed. So as much as I really 
understand, and I feel that same way too of just wanting to move on, because it's hard. The fact is that's not actually the healthiest way for us to deal with this. So there's two different ways you can deal with tragedy in your life, with difficulty. You can repress it, you can push it down, you can push it away, right? Or you can confront it, and you can look at how it impacted you and how it impacted your community. Now, most people, their first reaction is what? Push it away, right? Because when you judge up all of those feelings, it can be painful. But if you have the courage to face it, if you have the courage to take a look at what happened, then that opens the door to healing. And so this morning, I want to offer you an invitation. And this invitation is for us to look at all of the various ways that the pandemic impacted us personally. Together, what I want you to do with me is I want to help you make peace with the pandemic. And so this sermon series, it's 10 sermons long. It's nine total weeks, including today. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the pandemic from every angle, how it impacted us in every way, from the loss of community, which is what we're going to talk about today, to the loss of jobs, to the loss of our education, to the loss of life. We've lost so much over the last 18 months. So many of us have. And since we were stuck inside, many of us, we've struggled emotionally, we've struggled mentally to get by. Some of us have developed really negative coping skills to get through all of this. And some of us, I think more than anything else, feel that we've lost time. Some of us, we feel that time we're never going to be able to recover. But then there's other people on the flip side who use this time and really better themselves. Like, it's kind of amazing. You look at some people, you know, they found new hobbies. They reorganized their house. They started eating healthier. They got in shape. They realize, I've spoken to people who told me, I woke up to what was important in my life, and I reassessed my priorities for the first time ever. Remarkable stories. So no matter how the pandemic impacted you personally, we need to take the time to work through this together. And we need to understand what we've gained and what we've lost. Does that make sense what I'm saying? You with me? I know it's 9.20, but are you with me? Yeah? Okay. So here's the way this sermon series is going to work, which I'm really excited about. So every one of these sermons is going to start with an interview with two people from our congregation. And these interviews, they lay the foundation for what we're going to talk about that particular day. And when you watch these interviews, I'm going to warn you up front, these people were very vulnerable. I mean, they came in and they talked about what they went through in very raw terms. And if you see these people, because you will see them out and about, I want you to thank them for what they did. Because by coming to us and being so vulnerable and being so open, they've given a gift to our community. They have offered to us something that allows us to really actually heal from all of this. So we're going to start this morning with an interview. The, the two people who were interviewed for this particular uh, sermon is Kristen Michaelzik. She is somebody who's done everything in our church. Now she works, she helps us at our Welcome Center. She's actually a big reason why you received that beautiful brochure. 
and all of the yard signs. She helped do all of that. And the other person who you're going to hear from this morning is Laura Carlson. She's a current elder on session. She's also the clerk of session. And you're going to understand very quickly why that is remarkable. So I want you to sit back. I want you to watch these interviews. And I hope that you will enjoy what they have brought to you today as we talk about community. The World Health Organization has declared coronavirus a global pandemic. More than 3,700 people have now been added to the COVID-19 death toll in New York City. COVID-19 has battered the global economy, causing the worst recession since the Great Depression. COVID has killed more people in one day than the number of people killed on D-Day. just a lot of family struggles that we were dealing with. My youngest brother actually fell on some hard times and moved in with us on February 1st. And he was dealing with a lot of troubles and we were helping him. So we had kind of a, a whirl, whirlwind of a situation going on and the kids are teenagers. One was in eighth grade at the time and the other was a sophomore at the time. So just the typical school struggles and you know, ups and downs of teenagery that you go through. I was like most other parents. I was involved in my daughter's activities at school. I was the room rep for her um, particular class and uh, active in uh, the library at her school as well. In addition to that, I had um, started a series of um, medical tests um, because of my disability. I was born with spina bifida with a tethered spinal cord and I also have lupus. And about September or November, prior to the pandemic, I had noticed significant weakness in my lower extremities. But it had reached a point where walking, standing, sitting was either painful or sometimes I couldn't do it. Um, and then it reached a point where I couldn't drive. By January, I had started a pretty intensive physical and occupational therapy regimen at the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab. I was given crutches, I had some braces, and so it was really a um, big change in my life um, and the life of my family, um, especially my daughter and, and husband. It was hard. It was overwhelming. I think there was fear at first because it was unknown who was most vulnerable in the early days with the virus. And I think the reality of remote learning hit too and the challenges that came with that. And then the second reality was everything they were missing. So eighth grade graduation and eighth grade confirmation and um, just all my older daughter missed her whole soccer season and just lots of things just kind of came and didn't happen and then they went. I don't know if you've ever been to the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, but everyone there typically has a spinal injury or some type of, of um, brain injury that affects their mobility. And so you feel like you're surrounded by people who are just like you. And so that struggle then is no longer yourself. It's, you feel like it's shared with everyone in that community. 
And so when that community shut down, that was really very devastating mentally because I felt like that was my big hope. It was also devastating to watch my daughter and my husband because that was their support system too. I mean, they knew Taylor, my therapist, very well. They knew all my doctors. Every time they would come with me, since I couldn't drive, they always took me. They would have a special room. I mean, they knew my daughter by her name. This whole category of friendships that we have, that we don't recognize that we have, and maybe it's the barista at the coffee shop for one person, but for me it was the people at my gym that I worked with, the people that were taking my classes, it was the people at church. I would work at the welcome desk and it was just people. Like It's kind of a category of friendships that don't have a name, and it's not necessarily this deep, deep, deep relationship, but it's the combination of all these people over a week that builds you up. That's what I missed more than anything else. I lost my father um, uh, and during a pandemic um, not being able to see them as regularly as you would, not being able to hug them, all of those things are magnified but then you think oh I'll get, be able to hug them tomorrow or we'll be able to um, rebuild those relationships and make more memories. And then you don't have the opportunity to do that. So that was quite devastating um, to go through that. I hope that I'll be able to find a new therapist who um, can provide that support for me and for my family. Obviously can't um, reclaim my, the loss of my father, but we are doing everything we can to maximize our memories with my mom. I'm looking forward to being able to help my siblings create a celebration event for my dad's life. And so I think that will also help me and my family. I guess I just pray that we can embrace each other in a positive way that's non-judgmental and recognize that everybody's been through something hard and it's unique to them and we're just here to have each other's backs like we're here to lean on each other and i want our church to be that judgment-free zone for people to come to where no matter what your story is no matter where you've been or where you where you're going we're a place for you and I just, I want us to embody that spirit as a church. All right. Well, I want to say thanks again to uh, Laura and to Kristen, who, both of whom you will see uh, out and about today. Um, also, that intro you're going to see every week, I wanted that to be kind of jarring to bring you back to the beginning because we're going to work our way through the pandemic. And we're going to talk about a lot of the things that happened, uh, you know, kind of chronologically with it. So if we're going to talk about the loss of community that we've kind of been through, I think we need to agree on kind of a fundamental supposition, which if we're not in agreement with, is not going to work for the rest of it. So here's my, here's my idea, and you tell me if you agree with it, which is that humans are social creatures. Would you agree that that is true? 
Okay, so humans are social creatures. We are not really meant to live alone in isolation. Even if you're an introvert like me, and I am very introverted, uh, I like to be alone most of the time. You still need to be around other people. That's important to maintain your mental and your emotional health. So the pandemic starts, right? And we end up quarantining inside of our homes. And what happens is it cuts off our normal way of interacting with people, right? Our normal patterns of movement stop immediately. So we can't do work in the way that we used to. We can't do worship in the way that we used to, right? School, you're out of school all of a sudden. You can't go to the gym. You can't go to your sports teams. You can't even go to your friend's house to have a meal for fear that you might give them the virus or they might give it to you. And so all of these things that we took for granted prior to the pandemic, right, all these activities that we used to do, they get stripped away from us and we lose touch with those communities. Now, of course, we had things like our phones, right, and we had Skype and we had Zoom. And those things were helpful. Like, can you imagine if we didn't have those things, how much worse it would have been? But I don't know about you, but as we started doing that for everything, I was like, oh, this has some limitations to it, for sure. This is not the same as being in person. And there's a good reason for that. So if we stepped inside of a time machine, and we could go back 20 or 30,000 years, so obviously none of this would be here, right? And you could see what humans lived like 20 or 30,000 years ago, what you would see is that they would be together in bands of about 100 people. That's how they would work and operate. That number 100 is very important for this sermon. So you think you can keep that in mind? 100? Okay. So they are in these bands of about groups of 100. Those bands would shift and change over time. So people would go from one band to another, right? But the size would stay about the same. And so we live like this for more than 100,000 years. This is how humans live. So that number is baked into our DNA. And to prove this to you, I want to just turn briefly to our scripture this morning that TC read to us from the book of Galatians. So this is a letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to Galatia. Now, take a look. I want you to see up on the screen here. This is the area of Galatia. So Galatia is an area. It's not a church, right? And all of those are places where he had established churches in that area. So when he writes this letter, he's not just writing it to one church. He's writing it to all these churches. And they would pass it around. And the way he formed these churches is he'd go into the synagogues in those cities. And he would recruit people out of the synagogues. And they would meet on Sunday mornings. And initially, it would be about 12 people or so, you know, thereabouts. And then it would grow. And usually, if you read the scholarly literature, what they will tell you is that those churches were probably about 50 to 100 people each. Notice 100. Now, you fast forward 2,000 years. Here we are today. Do you know what the average size of a Presbyterian church in the United States of America is today? I bet you can guess. It's 100, right? Now, this church is an outlier in that way. We have 1,000 members here, although... You know, we, we're, we haven't got all back together yet, but we have a 1,000 members. And so we're an outlier. So even if you have been a part of this congregation for a long period of time, right, and you're part of this big, large church, 
The fact is that I guarantee you, you probably know between 50 and 100 people in this church if you've been here for a long time. That number really is a part of who we are in our genetics. Now, why? Why is this the case? Well, it's this way because our brains evolved over that period of time to deal with 100 people. And there's good reason for this. So, 100 people is small enough that you can know every single person in the group, right? But large enough that you have enough mating options, too. <laughs> so that's, that's a big part of this. Now, let's say you run out of mating options. Well, there's obviously other groups of 100 people, right? So you can switch, you can swap with each other. Now, when they were living at that time, they didn't have the modern amenities that we have today, right? So you depended on those people. That 100 people, that's how you survive. You went around, you depended on them, they would go out, they would hunt, right? They would make sure that you had everything you needed. These are hunter-gatherers. Now, anthropologists who study these types of people who still live like this today, and there are still a few groups of people who live like this today, they have found something very remarkable about these people, which is that they do not suffer from depression, anxiety, or mental illness. None of them do. And some psychologists have suggested that the reason why in our society we struggle with anxiety, depression, and mental illness is because our living patterns are so isolated from each other now. So today, if you see a job that you like, right, and it's 100 miles away or 1,000 miles away, and you feel like, you know what, that job's good for me, what are you going to do? You can get up and you're going to move and you're going to go to that. Whereas in the past, you wouldn't go down that same road, right? You would stay in the place where you grew up. Now, here's the problem, though. So you get to a community, you start kind of raising your family or doing what you live here. And, but the problem is everybody's shifting and moving all the time so you don't have roots. And so we're more isolated than we've ever been. And our brains don't work well when we're isolated from each other. We need to be interacting with each other. And so what happens is the pandemic strikes, right? And we already don't have a great community around us to begin with. It's already a little bit fragile. And then it hits, it shuts down, and it destroys what little community we have. Now, you heard this with Kristen, right? And I thought that was very moving what she talked about when she described how she had all of these little relationships, right? These, these little relationships, these little brief interactions she would have. So she may have them here at church. She may have them at her gym. Maybe you have them at a coffee shop or the grocery store, or the salon, wherever you have them. So you have these interactions, and those meant so much to her because it made her feel like she was part of something bigger than herself. So when it comes to us today, I want you to think about something. So you have your family, right? That's like your tight-knit circle. Then a little further out from that, what do you have? you got your friends, right? These are closer to you. And then you have this much larger circle, right? These are the people who you run into. I guarantee you that if you were to add up all the people who are in those, the smaller, then the one out, and then the larger, that would equal around 100 people. That is your community that you have. So yes, when the pandemic struck, it was really, really hard for us, was it not? Because we didn't have those close, relate, like the really tight relationships we have. We couldn't, we couldn't be with those people. That was hard. But what we often neglect to realize is 
how important those small, little interactions are. How much they can feed our souls. Because once those more tacit relationships, and what did those come from? They just went from you going about your routine, right? You'd be walking through, you see somebody, oh, hey, and you get to know them that way, right? Once that was gone, then your only in-person relationships were with the people with whom you were cohabitating, right? So, assuming you weren't alone, and I've talked to people in this church who were alone during the pandemic. They didn't have anybody they were with. That was super hard for them. Really, really hard because literally they had nobody to talk to all the time. But assuming you weren't alone, maybe you had your spouse, maybe you had a partner, maybe you had your children, right? Maybe you were with a relative or you were living with, uh, with a roommate. All of a sudden, this person became everything to you. Like, this person was now supposed to compensate for your entire community that was made up of dozens of people, which is not fair, right? Like, can you imagine? Like, I, my wife was in trouble, I'll tell you that. It was a bad time. So, so we had all of these people, and they were gone, and now this one person has to compensate for all that, and no one person can do that, right? So then... You can see this with something like with what happened with Laura. So Laura, she told us the story about how she went to the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, right? And she was there to do physical therapy. And that was really, really important to her to be able to do that therapy. But she was also around a group of people who understood what it was like to be her. They all had mobility issues, right? And so this community was super important because what it helped her to do was it wasn't just going there for the physical therapy, it was being around people who not only understood your situation but could support you in the midst of what you were going through. And then like everybody else, pandemic hits, she's now unable to go to the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab. And when she's exiled from that place, the problem is that not only can she not get the physical therapy, right? But now, she's lost the ability to be with people who understand what it's like to live in her skin. Because her husband and her daughter, they love her immensely. They would do anything for her, right? But there's a big difference between helping somebody and understanding what it's like to live in a body that won't do what you want it to do. Those are two completely different things. And so what we often fail to realize as human beings is that at the core of our relationships is a need to be seen. It's a need to be seen. So the people who you spend time with, obviously you want to be around people who like you, right? I mean, do you want to be around people who treat you horribly? No, you don't, right? You want to be around people who like you, people who value your friendship, people who look at you and they say, you know what, I really appreciate what you do. But you know what means the most sometimes? It's being around somebody who understands your challenges, somebody who understands your failures, your struggles. That can be the most comforting kind of relationship, can it not? And if you, if you know what I'm talking about, you don't have to know these people on a deep level. You don't have to know their deepest, darkest secrets. It's an understanding between the two of you, right? You can see it. You know it. And when you're around a group of people like that, it can make you feel like you belong to something bigger than yourself. Now, I think 
that what we're talking about with Laura and with Kristen is the very reason why it was so hard when we lost our church community. Because, yes, are your friends here? Absolutely they are, right? I know that you miss seeing them. But you know what I think is a bigger hit to us? It's the fact that when we come to this place, we are bound together by a desire to search for the meaning of life. And we search for our meaning through God and through Jesus. That's where we search for it. And you know why I love this community? This is why I love you guys. Because you guys in this church, this is not true of every church, but it's true of this church, we sit there and we say, we don't have all the answers to these questions. And you know what? While we're searching for the answers together, we're going to try to make the world a better place. I love that about this community. So when we come together, everybody's looking at each other and we have a common goal. So we're all asking the same questions, we're all seeking the same answers, and we're all trying to make the world a better place. We're all trying to do this together. And that's why we read that scripture this morning of Jesus, right? What does Jesus do? He commissions the 70. Now, would you add 70 plus 12 for me? What is 70 plus 12? 82. That's pretty close to what? 100, right? Okay, so he's got these people who are around him, right? And he commissions 70 of them, and he says, I want you to go out, and I want you to preach my message of love and redemption. Go do that. And these people, do you think these 70, do you think they all knew each other super well? No. But they were bound together by a singular mission. They were going to go out and they were going to try to change the world. It's the reason why we're here today, because of guys and women like them. They went out and they spoke to the world, and they were bound together by the fact that they were going to do something similar. So they understood each other's challenges, the tough things. They knew what it was like to actually win one when they could actually convert somebody over. They were bound together, and when they looked at each other, they knew we are in this together. And that is how I want to end this morning. We are in this together. What Kristen said, I just got to go back to that. I love what she said at the end of her interview. She said, every single one of us, every single one of you has been through something unique as a result of the pandemic. All of us have, right? And it's specific to you. But you can lean on us here. We got your back in this community. I love the way she said, this is a no judgment zone. You can come here, whatever your story is, it doesn't matter where you've been or where you're going or what you've done in your life. You can be a part of this place. And so I hope that we can embody this spirit. We have been disconnected for so long, we've got to get back together. We've got to come together and we got to know that this place is moving in the same direction and we're all trying to be there for each other through what has been a very difficult time. Do you think that we can do that together, my friends? Can we be together? Can we be in this together? All right. I hope we can because we need that for each other and we need that because this community deserves it. Thank you. And it's so great to see you guys back here. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.